Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast. Get your official Adam Sank Show merchandise at adamsank.com. T-shirts, tank tops, mugs, masks, just about everything you can think of emblazoned with the Adam Sank Show logo. Go to adamsank.com to order your merch today. Thank you. This is the Adam Sank Show. If it's in my hand, I'm going to suck it. Powered by DNR Studios. And now... The one, the only, Adam Sank! Greetings and salutations, motherfuckers. Welcome to the Adam Sank Show. We're not live, but this is a brand new episode. If you're listening, 11 a.m. Eastern, Saturday, July 17th, 2021, at dnrstudios.com. The only place to hear this podcast when it first airs. If you listen anywhere else, leave us your ratings and reviews on the audio platform you use. Email me, me, at adam at adamsank.com. I only say that a hundred times a day. Uh, Like the Facebook page, download my comedy albums, get your ass merch, t-shirts, tank tops, even a leash for your pet turtle. The link to that merch is adamsank.com. And remember to call the ass hotline anytime. Leave us a voicemail. We'll play it on the air unless it's truly filthy, in which case we'll play it on the air twice. The number is 804-TALK-ASS. Don't forget to nominate us, please, in the podcast awards. Now through the end of July, go to podcastawards.com, register as a nominator and a voter. Uh, quick, easy, they won't spam you. Nominate us in the LGBTQ category and the Adam Curry People's Choice Award category. I don't know why they name it after Adam Curry. He was one of the original MTV VJs, I think. I, I, don't, I don't understand the connection there. But anyway, our guest today is someone I've been trying to get on the show for a while. His name is Brian Moylan. He is a New York Times bestselling author, our first one ever, I believe. And he's the author of The Housewives, the real story behind The Real Housewives. I am a Real Housewives fan. I watch uh, two of the franchises. So I'm excited to be talking to him about this book, which is really um, far more interesting than you might imagine. Uh, But joining us is our guest co-host for the week. She was here last week. She's back again for an encore. Everyone's second favorite lesbian, Joanne Filan. That's so lovely. So lovely. Everyone on Facebook wanted to know who the the favorite lesbian was, and of course it's Romaine Patterson. Yes, and I'm curious as to what I need to do to uh, usurp her Rain. You would have to take over DNR Studios. Okay. So <laughs> you'd have to become the boss. Happen. I'll stick with number two. <laughs> but you should go on Derek and Romaine. They would love to have you. That would be delightful. I would love to. Romaine would ask you many questions about your sex life. Okay. Well, then that's great. <laughs> As is her want. Um, also with us is everyone's favorite producer, the queen of fuckery, JB Bursey. Hello. Yay. JB, you seem to be in kind of a downer of a mood well okay so i got my second shot i'm fully vaccinated now and yay, then the, yay. And the the lady was like how was your first shot i was like you know it was fine the first three days felt really nauseous you remember i was nauseous yes and she's like well this time you feel really sleepy so i just feel really tired you just got it today <laughs> no i got it friday, friday. oh oh yes did you do you feel feverish no just tired let me feel your head oh my god <laughs> You actually do feel a little warm. I got a fever. I was sick for 24 hours after I got my second shot. Oh, no. I, yeah, I, I had the same thing. It, it was delayed, but it was a quick hmm. – uh, All of it, I mean, it, I got it in the morning, and that night I started to feel crappy. Well, hopefully this hour will fly by, and you can go home and rest, honey. Yeah, take a nap. Poor JB. <laughs> um, we're going to start this show with a list because you know I love a list. Uh, a list or a lisp? We're gonna. Well, in my case, it's both. Okay. Because uh, you know, <laughs> shade. I don't have an actual lisp. I have a problem with my L's. I'm sure oh. listeners have noticed. I have a really hard time if a, if a word begins with an L, 
It's, really? Yeah, it's hard for me. Like lisp. Oh, like lisp. I have to exaggerate it. Otherwise, it comes out W. And in fact, when I voice text my phone, <laughs> if I say like call Laura, which is my sister's oh. name, it'll come up on the phone call war. Wow. Yeah. When I try to say um, question mark, it comes up West Denmark. <laughs> so I don't know what, what West speech Denmark is lovely is. this time of year. By the way, this podcast often charts in the Netherlands. Oh, wonderful. Uh, which is not Denmark, but no. um, close by. Question mark? There you go. So, um, so we're going to do a list about myths that people believe are true. Most people believe are true. And so I thought I'd ask each of you before we start, what is something that you hear people say all the time or that you know people believe that you know is bullshit? For instance when people say that Trump really won the election <laughs> and that uh, there was massive election fraud. That is a myth, and it infuriates me. God. You know, there's probably so many of them. I just can't think of anything right now. <laughs> oh, shit. I can't either. Yeah, oh, right? God. Because that's something you would think you about. Well, I'll tell you why I like this list, aside from it being a list. Mm-hmm. Um, this is from BuzzFeed. 21 annoying myths you probably still believe but shouldn't. In almost all of these, I, st- I believed it. Oh. And I am not a gullible person. I, I consider myself yes. to be well-read, well-rounded, uh, good at giving head. I mean, all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, 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 uh, but I head. thought most of these were true, and they are all myths. So here you go. And myth, we're not going to do all 21, but I picked my favorite nine. Myth number one is that if you touch a baby bird, its mother will abandon it because of the smell of humans. Yeah, that's a myth. That is false. Ugh. Really? The mother bird will not even know that her baby has been handled by human. Most birds have a very poor sense of smell. There's an no. ex- there are exceptions like vultures. They, they've got beaks. Oh. They wouldn't even be able to smell the human touch on their offspring. Instead, birds recognize their offspring the same way humans do by their appearance and sound. Uh, also, birds will not abandon their nests if humans touch the eggs. Remember when you're little and your mom said, don't right. touch the bird's nest. Yes. That she won't come back. That's a lie. Some birds may build a new nest if the original one was disturbed or damaged by a predator, but just being touched by a human is not enough to drive a mother bird away. It's looks. So birds are all about looks. Very, yes. Very uh, superficial. Yeah. Ugh. That's so if you find a baby bird, you can touch it all you want. Just don't give it a you makeover. You can kiss it. You can... <laughs> <laughs> don't go dyeing its hair, yeah, painting its nails. This is one that everyone thinks is true because of movies and TV. It's that you have to wait 24 hours before filing a missing persons report. That is a lie. Oh, my God. What about a missing bird report? <clears throat> that you do have to wait 24 okay, hours. Um, a former NYPD sergeant says this is a common myth that you have to wait 24 hours before you report uh, someone missing. But that's not the case. The number one biggest problem in missing persons cases, he says, is family members who wait too long. Oh, my God. To report a missing persons case. You lose valuable time during those 24 hours. Um, the, NYPD's, up? the NYPD's website says that there is no set amount of time that has to pass before you report a missing person. They say to use common sense and specific circumstances. You know what is interesting that has nothing to do with this and also has something to do with this? Uh, you don't have to be 50 to be be an AARP member. Did you see that post too? Yes. So people keep sending this to me. <laughs> I just... And I'm like, first of all, I am 50, so fuck you. <laughs> well, and, but that's... But yes, that is true. You can join the AARP mm-hmm. at any age, and apparently the dues are very low, and you get tons of uh, yes. financial benefits. Yeah, I'm totally joining it. I should join. Um, myth number three, I've believed my whole life, and that is that the Great Wall of China is the only man-made structure visible from space. In fact, it's not visible from space most of the time, uh, and there are other things that are visible from space. So this one is really about what we consider space. As soon as you leave the Earth's atmosphere, you're technically in space, but you're still fairly low to the ground. So yes, you could see the Great Wall. You could see a lot of things, major uh, buildings, bridges, uh, trees, oceans, things like that. But when you get as far as the moon... You cannot see the Great Wall. You cannot see any man-made structures. Um, According to a former astronaut, the only thing you can see from the moon is a beautiful sphere, mostly white, some blue, and patches of yellow. Every once in a while, some green vegetation. No man-made object is visible at that scale. It's amazing that people thought that. 
It seems ridiculous. It at came. This point it now. came from. I mean, all of these came from somewhere, and this one has been believed, I think, since like 1938. Yeah, but like in 1938, space was about a mile up. Right. Exactly. Exactly. At that point, it's like seeing from an airplane. Yes, yeah. you can see things from an airplane, um, but not from from out, really far outer space or even as close as the moon. Number four, I always believed this, cracking your knuckles mm-hmm. makes them bigger or gives you arthritis nice. or other physical problems. Cracking your knuckles may be aggravating to the people around you. Did you just crack yours, Joanne? No. no it's it's me. It's always me. You know I'm a gamer. My hands are always... I I crack my my hand knuckles and my toe knuckles at least once a day. I love cracking my my toes. My knees crack. Oh, yeah, me too. Oh, God. But uh, there's no risk of of arthritis or damage. Several studies have compared um, hand arthritis among habitual knuckle crackers and people who don't don't crack their knuckles and found no no difference. The pop of a cracked knuckle is caused by bubbles bursting in the synovial fluid. Mm, That's the fluid that helps lubricate joints. Mm. The bubbles pop when you pull the bones apart. Oh, it sounds so awful, doesn't it? Good Lord, yes. Um, But there is good reason to let go of the habit. Chronic knuckle cracking may, may lead to reduced grip strength. Mm, listen up, boys. And for someone who grips as many penises as I do, mm-hmm. I should really be paying attention. <laughs> there are at least two published reports of injuries suffered while people were trying to crack their knuckles. But, uh, but as far as arthritis and long-term chronic conditions, you don't have to worry. Number five is a myth that you can detox your body from certain toxins and parasites by drinking special teas. That's T-E-A-S. That's bullshit. (laughs) According to the article that I read, by the way, can I just say BuzzFeed lists all these myths and tells you they're not true, but doesn't tell you why they're not true. So I had to research every single one of these. (laughs) I spent a couple hours on this story. Lazy. Uh, Thank you. Um, No, I think she meant BuzzFeed. I agree. No, they are. They're fucking lazy. They didn't even have a link to to it. If you're going to debunk myths. Yeah. Give a reason, descriptions, why, put, put your evidence. That's what I yeah. said. Uh, lady, why must you do that during the podcast? Oh, because she, she, she came to me for attention. Oh, I started just rubbing her, and she's like, oh, yeah, oh, keep it going. Thank you for loving my dog. Uh, anyway, your body, there's no way you can make yourself detox from anything. The, the only detox is if you're overdosing on drugs or, or are a chronic drug user. You go to a hospital or a rehab, and they medically detox you through okay. running fluids th- through your bodies or pumping your stomach right. or giving you certain drugs, uh, you cannot detox yourself. The healthy body has kidneys, a liver, skin, mm-hmm. and lungs that are constantly detoxifying. And if there were actual toxins in you, you would be very sick. Yeah. You would, If there were a buildup of toxins at any significant level, you would have to go to the hospital. So n- no matter how much tea you drink or what kind of tea it is, that's just bullshit. You're just making yourself pee. Oh, that's nice, though. Well, it's good to know if you're someone who spends a lot of money on these, yeah. like, medicinal teas because right. it's, you're wasting your money. Um, I do think that sweating on a regular basis is good for you. Yeah, I would I would think, isn't that some sort of release as well? Sure. Right. But, but again... If you don't, if you're not someone who sweats every day, you're not going to get sick or die because your body is still filtering out toxins with all those aforementioned organs. Mm-hmm. Um, number six is something I 100% believed. Me too. That your the tryptophan in your Thanksgiving turkey makes you sleepy. I know. I thought that too. It turns out that chicken has more tryptophan than turkey, and mm-hmm. the only reason you feel particularly sleepy on Thanksgiving is because you eat too goddamn much. Or your family is boring. Or your family is boring you to tears. <laughs> yeah, I think that's it. Um, yeah, Thanksgiving's a time when people overeat. When that's you true. overeat, your digestion process requires a lot more energy. Do not incriminate the turkey. Yes, and I've always told people, you know how you want to take a nap after lunch? People are always like, no, why? And it's because you're 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 working... You're working towards, you know, digestion and it makes Absolutely. you tired. I always get sleepy in the afternoon, yes. but that's why you should eat like just a salad for lunch. Yes. If, you have, if you're in an office, if you don't want to put your head down on the desk in your office as <laughs> I have I done. Do. I, I do. Know. Um, I do. Also, public service announcement, you shouldn't be eating turkey or chicken anyway. True. No animal eating, please. Yay. 
Number seven is something your mom told you when you were little. If you go outside with your hair wet, you'll get sick. Lies. God, mothers are such liars. Lies. <laughs> wet hair does not cause the common cold. The common cold is caused by a virus. The virus doesn't care whether you have wet hair or not. It doesn't make you attract any more germs. Um, it is more likely to get sick by going outside, period, because that's where germs are. Right. But in reality, the cold is transmitted through bodily fluids, such as when people mm -hmm. who are sick sneeze, cough, or blow their nose. We clearly know that after right. this past so year. if your hair is wet with semen, <laughs> then you could get a cold. <laughs> you know, the truth is, Joanne, no one's hair is wet with semen for very long. It dries very quickly. More, it's more often glopped, oh, like a okay. sticky glop. If your hair is styled with semen. I hate getting cum in my hair. Oh, God. Or really anywhere on me. It's very hard to wash off. Don't yeah, you find your baby? I I rather come inside me. Yes. Like don't, mm. not, don't put please not my not my hair definitely not my uh, hair. Oh, right? it takes me forever to pick out my hair. Um, like I was I would punch you in the dick. <laughs> like <wow. laughs> please wow. aim for the mouth or the butthole. I agree. Yes, me too. Hundred percent. And you're lucky you don't have to deal with that, Joanne. Oh, Although a lot of gay guys love to come. They love it on them. They love it in them. I could yes. do without it. I'm no, If I could meet a guy who like orgasmed without actually ejaculating, I would be in heaven. Isn't can't you? Uh, is it a is it a myth that if you are on um, if you're transitioning and you're on uh, hormones, that it affects your cum? I don't know enough about it. I would imagine there are all kinds of sexual uh, impacts of mm -hmm. of going on um, gender I hormones. Know. I don't know where I heard that. There are certainly men who are able to climax without ejaculation. There, okay. there are guys who come just from getting fucked. But oh. usually something comes out okay. of the right. hole, even right. if it's just like a little this bit of This is always such a ejaculate. learning experience I know you learned so me. much being on this really? show. Um, why, would we, why are we talking about that? Oh, okay. Why speaking, weren't we? <laughs> speaking of hair, and this is something I think about a lot because I'm constantly shaving my body hair, uh, cutting or shaving your hair will make it grow back thicker. Lies. That's a lie, too? That's a lie. Oh, my God. According to the Mayo Clinic, shaving your hair does not change its thickness, color, or rate of growth. I have an asterisk to that, which we'll talk about in a moment. Mm -hmm. um, shaving facial or body hair does give the hair a blunt tip. The tip might feel coarse or stubbly for a time as it grows out. You must know this, Joanne, from shaving legs. Uh, uh, yeah, I Dur shave a lot of legs. So during the fa that phase, the hair might be more noticeable and appear thicker or darker, but it's not. Mm. Now, I will say this, as someone who's been shaving my pubes as well as the sides of my head for decades, uh, if you shave it enough times, it will get grayer faster. Really? That is a fact. I f get... I constantly get the sides of my head shaved, but I only get the top lightly trimmed, mm. and that's why the top of my hair is very dark and the sides, and the sides are gray. But I love that little bit of salt and pepperness on the like sides. It. Oh, I think it looks awesome. Because after a while, because my hair is going to go gray no matter what, mm -hmm. but I'm speeding it up by constantly shaving over and over and over oh. again because the hair, the hair on the sides of my head is older than the hair on the top of my head, basically. So do you have gray pubes? I do. If I don't shave them, yes. Really? They just come in all gray? Gray and black. Okay. But I mean, I shave them the moment they appear. I okay. really like a clean workspace down there. Nice. And finally, the myth is we only use 10% of our brains. Liza Minnelli lies. <laughs> lies. This Lemonelli. notion is firmly embedded in pop culture. It was the basis of a, night, of a 2014 movie called Lucy which depicted what would happen if somebody used 100% of their brain power. Um, there are a plethora of articles and videos debunking this myth. Um, neuroscientists say they've created tools for imaging and tracking the activity of, of a functioning brain. It is true that at any given moment, not all of your regions in your brain are, are firing on all cylinders, right. but... <clears throat> brain researchers using imaging technology have shown that like your muscles, most of your brain is continuously active over a 24-hour period. Evidence would show you that over the course of one day, you use 100% of your brain. I don't know if that applies to everybody, though. <laughs> I mean, just... Only to smart people? Yeah. I mean, in this past year, I think we've learned a lot. 
Well, I do think there are parts of my brain that don't work as well as other parts. Like my math, the math part of my brain is pretty much turned off most of the time. (laughs) And the verbal part works over time. But I do, I think the math must work a little bit. I could do, I can do rudimentary arithmetic. Well, okay. I mean, you're talking about percentages too. So that's a good math thing. Uh, I'm so bad. I'm so bad with math and with dates, calendar dates. I fuck up all the time. Um, and that's it. Are you guys – now, did you, like me, believe all those things before I just debunked them? Yes. No. What did you know was a myth? All right. So the the haircutting, I thought I knew that was a myth because I – my hair just grows – I don't have much hair. Like, it just stopped. And that's why this has been since I was in high school. I've seen hairy buttholes. So <laughs> I knew the hair thing was a myth. <laughs> Seeing a hairy butthole doesn't what? dispel the myth. It just means maybe they never shaved to begin with. Right. No, because I had a conversation. He was the person to shave because he was a hairy butthole child. Hairy butthole You child? are a hairy butthole child. Uh, That's the name of my Wookie. forthcoming memoir. Okay. We called him <laughs> Wookie. Girl, she had hair all about and She was shaving all the time. Um, but that okay. would seem to, to confirm the myth. Right. That, that shaving it makes it grow back thicker. No, because it, w- it was the same. It was the same thickness. It wasn't. It didn't change. <laughs> it was it bad to begin with, and it stayed bad. Yeah, it didn't get better. It didn't get worse. It I just have very little butt hair, but mm-hmm. what I have, I shave off, and it definitely does not come back thicker. It barely comes back at all. Are you talking like uh, on your butt Everything. cheeks, cheeks okay. and hole? Okay, got yeah. It. I would never be one of those guys that have like a Brillo pad between your butt cheeks. Ooh. Which is to me so awful. No, I'm like a nice think... little peach. I got a little hair, oh, just like peach. Love do you it. know? Do you do you like it on the back on your on your back back hair? I don't back have hair? hardly any back hair. Do you like it on others? N- no. Which is worse, mm-hmm. back hair or butt hair? Butt hair. Uh-huh. Well, it depends <laughs> on what I'm going to do with their butt. If I'm mm-hmm. just going to be the bottom and I'm not going to go near their butt, I don't care what their butt looks like. But if I'm going to be expected to stick my dick or anything else in their butt, I want it to be smooth and clean. Oh, you don't want to stick your Dick in a hair, no, it a doesn't feel good. Well, okay. it literally feels like fucking a Brillo pad. Ooh. No, no one wants that. No, and I would think it would be the same with a woman with a with a really hairy puss. Uh, yeah. Dep- <laughs> hmm. <laughs> no no comment. I, I, can't, I can't answer this. What grounds that it will incriminate me? It no. depends. Depends on the person. Depends. Yeah. How well kept. Some people aren't that hairy to begin True. with. True. Like right here. There you go. <laughs> I once did a storytelling show with this woman who had alopecia. Yes. My wife has alopecia. She does? Yes. So she's totally hairless. Uh, well, no. Uh, she has alopecia areata, which... Um, Doesn't cover your whole body? It, no. She has, like, yeah, there's parts of, like, parts of her legs that don't ever grow any hair. She doesn't have to shave or anything mm. like that. And she has, eye, she has her eyebrows. She has um, hair in other areas. Um, but it's not a, a total. She's it's not total. I forget what the one is like. Total. Well, this woman had total alopecia. She had no hair anywhere on okay. her body, including her head. And she said, as soon as a, a man finds out that I have a hairless vagina, like naturally hairless, it, they're obsessed with my vagina. Like all they want to do is finger blast me. Wow. Okay. And I get it. I think that's a little mm, off-putting. Uh, sure. Just a little. There was a guy at my gym who had a – he was a hot guy with a great mm-hmm. body, and he had been through some kind of cancer or leukemia and fully recovered. But the treatment had made it so that he would never grow hair again anywhere on his body. He was as bald as a as – a, you know, he looked like Mr. Clean. Oh. And his body was too. And I used to see him changing and in the shower and mm-hmm. the steam room, and I was like – he just was so sexy to me. I don't know what it is. I just love hairless skin. My not, wife is not gorgeous, and she she doesn't have she has uh, she has little areas on her head that will grow some hair, but she just shaves it, and she's gorgeous. Cute, and you have short hair too. Yes, but I a do. lot, but plenty of it. Yes. Okay, <laughs> moving on. Uh, we have to learn a new category of sexual orientation. Everyone, uh, can you take a guess what a demisexual is? D-E-M-I. Someone who fucks gods. Oh, no, Someone that's a good guess. who enjoys Demi more. Also a good guess. Or Demi Lovato. Mm. No, um, Carrie, Carrie Kennedy Cuomo 
the daughter of Governor Andrew Cuomo and Michaela Kennedy Cuomo, um, has <laughs> it's not easy to say, has come out as demisexual, meaning only feeling sexual attraction to people with whom one has an emotional bond. I'm sorry, oh, that's a lesbian. I that was... Right? That's a lesbian. I was going to ask you if that's just being a lesbian. <laughs> that's a, no, that's called something else. <laughs> and I know that's called something else because I heard that before. Well, <laughs> Carrie Kennedy Cuomo says she's demi and that she said, quote, when I was in elementary school, I feared that I was a lesbian because what could be oh, more terrifying God than sakes, that? Yeah. <laughs> when I was in middle school, I came out to my family and close friends as bi. When I was in high school, I discovered pansexuality and thought, that's the flag for me. I've recently learned more about demisexuality and have believed that that identity resonates with me most. She's like playing the field of sexuality. Clearly. She's been hesitant when it comes to speaking out about her evolution because of a fear that it would be seen as attention-seeking. You think? <laughs> yeah, girl. Seriously. Well... I think people have far too much time to think about themselves these days. Yes. yes. There's way too she's got <laughs> she's got more she's got so much sexuality it can be seen from space. So let me ask you, Joanne, mm-hmm. as a lesbian. Yes. And as just you. Yes. Were there times when you were single that you could just have like a, a wild fling with someone you didn't know or care about, or did you always have to feel something to, to enjoy sex with another person? Um <sighs> Yeah, no, no, I'm sorry. Um, that's a good answer. I don't think I had to have like a, a deep emotional bond with someone just to have sex with them, no. I mean, of course I had to like them somewhat. I mean, Could you ever have like a, a hookup? Like a, like I go out to a bar, I, I meet you, we go home together that night and have sex. Did that ever happen? Um, mm, no, I mean, I, there'd ha- no. I don't think I ever just slept with someone on the first day. Date. So you had to feel something. A little bit. Just some sort of clicking. I'd like to know their last name, maybe. I don't know. I don't have to feel a goddamn thing. Really? But I also can enjoy sex very much with someone that I like and love mm-hmm. and care about. Like you I think I, it I can, adds to it? It's a, it's a completely different experience. There's okay. two kinds of sex for me. There's oh. anonymous sex or casual hookup sex where I don't give a shit about the other person. And it's like I'm, it's really just about a fantasy. Okay. And then right. there's the sex that you have with someone that you actually have connected with and know and have some experience with. And it's it's not as, like, exciting, mm-hmm. but it's more fulfilling. Okay. Or it can be because it's more than just your body. Your your brain right. and your heart are mm, involved, too. Yes. Oh, I definitely get with that. But I've had, like, a, a friends with benefits kind of thing. Okay. But you still care about them. Yeah. Yeah. There's still a connection there. Mm-hmm. Well, congratulations to Carrie Kennedy Cuomo on coming out as Demi Moore Sexual. <laughs> and uh, we have to add this letter to the uh, LGBTQIA plus spectrum, There's I guess. There's a lot. That's not – I'm sorry, but that is not a thing. The, no, I <laughs> Car- don't – yeah. Carrie, I'm ruling that uh, your sexuality no. is not valid. I mean it, it is <laughs> – it, that, that's an important characteristic to know about yourself, okay, but I don't, I don't think, think that says anything about your sexual orientation. Well, why don't you Google it, Jake? Because I met many people. I, I want to say uh, they said sapio sexual. Sapio? Mm. Sa- yes. Sapio. Sapio. Like sapio. homo sapien. Yeah, like right. you need a connection with the person before doing anything with them. And that I get. Yeah, Demi doesn't seem like the right route because yeah. doesn't seems that mean halfway? Half. Half, yeah. 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 I'm a halfway sexual. I only like it uh, halfway yeah. in. Half. <laughs> uh, words have meaning, people. Mm-hmm. Um, in any case, moving on, we haven't talked about Todrick Hall in a long time. Remember when Todrick was exposed by his former assistant and others as like a colorist and someone who didn't pay his dancers yeah. and just a gen- <gasps> generally awful yes. person. Yep. He totally recovered from that. Really? Totally people did. like him now? He, oh, yeah. He just went on living his life. He didn't really lose any fans. He still Nothing really happened. Works. Mm. Well, karma may have just caught up with him because his L.A. home was robbed. She oh. did move to a nice home. Oh. His... Uh, Home was broken into and robbed while the singer and dancer was away in London. TMZ broke the news July 4th. It said law enforcement officers reported a back window had been smashed and at least 50,000 pounds. I don't know why it's in pounds. Um, yeah. What is that? Like $100,000 $100, <laughs> in handbags. $100,000 in handbags. 
<laughs> I mean, well, you're asking for you it. You deserve you've it. You've got $100,000 yeah. worth of handbags. And other personal items had been taken. The LAPD is continuing to investigate. Hall confirmed the Instagram story and said, I am okay and unharmed. I'm devastated that someone would do this to me and even more disturbed to see some people celebrating and laughing about it online. Shade. <laughs> this happened less than an hour after my cat sitter left my house. And I'm just happy huh? that my cats have all been found and are safe. Oh. How many cats does he have? Wait. So, so is he saying the cat sitter did it? No, he's saying the oh. cat sitter could have been harmed. Oh, I see. He goes, be careful who you let into your close circle. They really will put your life and their life on the line just to steal a Louis Vuitton or Gucci handbag. Fuck you. Good Lord. He's gross. Meanwhile, uh, this is the uh, story I've been waiting to do for quite some time, JB, just so I can hear you say your catchphrase. (laughs) A white British person has come out as transracial. Her name is Ali London, and she identifies as Korean, even though she is not, and has gotten eye surgery to, quote, look more Korean. Uh, What the fuck? What is this, JB? This is fuckery, yo. This Mm -hmm. is, oh my God, there was a white woman who pretended to be black. Well, it's funny you should say that. Her name's Rachel Dolezal, and she has come out in support of course, because she's Ollie like, London. somebody else can be a loony bin. <laughs> I don't want to be here on this earth anymore. Also, London goes by they, them pronouns. What? <laughs> so she's not just transracial. She's yeah. also non-binary. She's she, demiracial? She's demiracial. She's got 427,000 TikTok followers. Uh, she appeared on some TV show in England called Hooked on the Look, and also on Botched, the E! show. Mm-hmm. Um they talked about how expensive and painful it was to undergo multiple plastic surgeries to look like their favorite BTS star, Park Jimin. Um, so Dolezal was asked about this, and Dolezal said, I do think the broader issue here is compassion and kindness and that people and that personal identity is not the big fish to fry when it comes to somebody's personal choices or how they feel. Cultural appropriation is very different from just being authentically yourself. You know, the problem with Ali London and with Rachel Dolezal, and this, there was a black woman in the documentary about Rachel Dolezal, which I recommend highly. I don't remember the name oh. of it, but it's a really good documentary about her, I think, on Netflix. Okay. And she's speaking to a black audience, and the black woman in the audience says, here's my problem with you. You say you're black, you say it's in your heart, and you feel it, and that's how you identify, but you have not been through the struggle. Right. Mm-hmm. You have not earned the right to be black because you don't you didn't have to live it every day of your life the way right. the rest of us did. How and you... that's what these people don't get. It is not about the way you look. Yes. Or how yes. you feel. There are black people who have lighter skin than me. Right. They still right. don't have mm-hmm. the same experience as me and I don't have their experience and I can't know their experience. Like the exactly. blind black people, they go through they they're still black people and they go through much much different struggles exactly my wife is um half chilean and whether it's because she doesn't have hair or not she never uh no one ever thinks she's latin no one ever thinks she's Latin, but she's had that experience right she's lived she still grew up yeah in a family in a very loud family yes (laughs) (laughs) also i just find it really distasteful and offensive to get surgery to make yourself look Asian. Yeah. That, I, there's something so gross about that to some, me. Yeah. It does, you it's, know, try to be open-minded, but it just feels very, very wrong. It feels like a parody. Yeah. Like yes. doing yeah. blackface. Yes. yes, exactly. Um, so uh, fuck you, Ali London. How and, is it not uh, considered cultural appropriation? We don't accept. Right? I'm trying to figure out if we should do either of these stories or we should just go to our guests. Our um, guest ready? He is. He's online. But if you want, we can we can do the story. I, I did cut the thing. I'd rather. Which? Miss Piggy? <laughs> yes. Okay. Miss Piggy. <laughs> Miss, we'll do yes. this quickly. Miss Piggy was a, uh, a, either a guest judge or just uh, made an appearance on uh, RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars. And here's what she had to say. Before the competition begins officially, it's time to reveal one more queen. Oh, one more queen? Oh, hell no. Mama. Oh, 
please give a warm drag race welcome to my pal, Miss Piggy. And here I am, dressed as Kermit the Hog. The moment you called, I dropped everything and... Wait a second. I thought you and Ma were having an intimate tete-a-tete. Who are all these fabulous queens behind you? Miss Piggy, darling, these are my all-stars. We're shooting our show. So nice to meet you. But enough of them, Rue. Let's talk about us. No. Well, maybe you can help That me was much longer than I wanted. But <laughs> that, yes, Miss Piggy was on Drag Race All-Stars, which I am not watching because I refuse to subscribe to an, yet another streaming channel. Seriously. Okay. Our guest today is a journalist, blogger, and now a New York Times bestselling author, our first ever to grace the ass. His best-selling new book chronicles the history and behind-the-scenes hijinks of Bravo's mega-popular Real Housewives franchise. It's called The Housewives, the real story behind The Real Housewives. And joining us now all the way from London, England, please give a warm-ass welcome to Brian Moylan. Hi, guys. How are you? Welcome, Brian. Hi. Our listeners will be confused I... that you're in London and don't have a British accent. Mm. It's true. I am an American. I just live here. And I also have a Paramount Plus login. So if you want it, I will happily give yes. it to you and you can watch RuPaul's Drag Race for free. Yes, please send it to mm. me. Uh, thank you, Brian. Hey, congratulations <laughs> on the success of You're the welcome. book. Did you have any idea it would be this thank hugely you. popular? I had an idea. I think that I know how many Housewives fans are out there and the book really is like targeted towards the fans. And, you know, I've met enough over the years that I know that there are a lot of closet fans out there who would be dying for something like this. And the Housewives fans really are underserved. I, I mean, they'll go see Countess Luann's cabaret show and pay hundreds of dollars. And I mean, she can't even sing. So right. <laughs> I figured they'd buy the book. The book is not a joke. It's a serious kind of scholarly uh, study of how these shows came to be and how they're produced and what goes on behind the scenes. What, what made you want to write this to begin with? I just, I, you know, I've, I've been writing about the show for a long time and I'm a big fan myself. And I just kind of wanted to write something that would answer all the questions fans have about the show, like how it gets made, where it came from, and also like what it means to us and why we're so into it and why we watch it in the first place and just take a more well-rounded look at it. And also I think a lot of people dismiss it as a guilty pleasure. They say it's trash TV, but just taking it seriously as something that really impacts people's lives. And I hope that I accomplish that. But also like having fun doing it and being funny and, and being in the spirit of the housewives. And you, you know, have made a name for yourself writing hilarious recaps of the housewives for, for Vulture. So I think you were sort of the perfect person for the project. Uh, you, the big question that everyone has about these shows and these kinds of shows is, is it scripted? Are they reading lines? Are the situations made up? And you say in the book, this is this was my takeaway, that, that no, it is not scripted. No, they are not told what to say or what to do. However, it is manipulated. Can you explain that? Yes. I think, well, I think like any show, you know, like so many reality shows like Survivor, you know, they, they put them in a, in a certain in situations, see how people react. I think the housewives are the same way. They're not putting them on a desert island, obviously, but they are telling them to go to this party or go to this lunch or go on this trip. But then what the women say and do when they're there is all up to them. And so sometimes the producers will say, okay, when you're at this lunch with this woman, you have to talk about the party last night. But what the women say about the party or feel about the party is up to them and their own experience. And so I think that, and the producers are also trying to keep things interesting. They're trying to make a show and the women know that. And so they're actively participating in making interesting television, but it, it not in any point on the housewives is, do people say like, you treat her like this or behave like this. I think that happens on some other shows. I mean, you know, the I think the shows run the gamut from the really documentary to the really staged. But I think Housewives is 
closer to the documentary end, but obviously still, uh, you know, the situations are fairly manufactured and the women might not be hanging out together other than being on the show, but their interactions are genuine. So, Brian, I was at a dinner party a couple months back, and it just so happened that both Leah McSweeney and Ebony K. Williams were at the same party. And there were no mm -hmm. there were no cameras. No one was filming. Uh, but there was a confrontation. And by the end of the night, it felt very much like I was on an episode of Real Housewives with those two. And I think what it comes down to is the casting. You know, they cast people that they know are are going to be explosive and like to confront and like to to argue. No, absolutely. And I think any reality show, no matter what genre or what show it is, lives and dies on its casting. And the thing about Real Housewives, you know, like you said, a lot of people say, oh, are they acting? Like we've seen enough housewives try to act to know that they can't act like that. And I've met enough housewives over the years, as I'm sure you experienced with Leah and Ebony, and they're exactly the same in real life as they are on television. Yeah. And, and I think that's how you can tell it's real. And also that's what makes the show so genius is that, you know, they can find people. Brian, we're, we're losing you just a bit. Are you on the move by any chance? Ooh, I am a little bit. Yes, I'm sorry. Would it be possible to just like stand still <laughs> for the next <laughs> few minutes? Oh yes, I will. I'm standing still, I okay. promise. Uh, Brian, many people think that Andy Cohen created The Real Housewives and that he's like the senior guy in charge of the whole franchise. Your book explains uh, that neither of those things is true, that it, he's really more of a mascot. Yes, and he, he was instrumental in the early stages of The Housewives when he worked at Bravo and was you know, one of several people responsible for making the show what it is today. But since he left Bravo to focus on Watch What Happens Live, he really just is one of the voices in the room. And people think like, oh, she got hired because Andy likes her. She got fired because Andy hates her. And the truth is Andy does have a say in that, but he's just one of the voices in the room, I think. And so a lot of fans say like, you know, think Andy oversees all of it. And I don't think that's necessarily true, but I think if you're using Andy as a stand-in for, uh, you know, the types of things that go on behind the scenes with the producers and Bravo and things like that, then that's true. But he personally isn't dealing with the day-to-day -day of the housewives in a way that the producers on the ground really are. And he didn't create it. He's not the creator no, he of the did show not. by any means. No, it was created by this guy named Scott Dunlop. And his idea actually was very different from what the housewives we know and love today is. He wanted it to be more like a Curb Your Enthusiasm kind of thing where it was real people kind of doing improv situations or in Orange County, like around their wealth and, and things like that. So one of the instances he used was uh, son coming home from college and he doesn't have a job. He's going to move in with his parents and he thinks he's just going to have this nice, easy life. And then his father's like, no, you got to get a job. And they have kind of like a clash because of that. Um, and you can see a little bit of that in the first season of Real Houses of Orange County. If you go back and watch it, which I would not recommend because it's very different from, you know, the housewives we know today. But yeah. And then Bravo kind of took that idea and massaged it and turned it into the housewives as we know it and Andy Cohen was part of that team who was doing that but there were a lot of other people and even the name they were initially calling it the real housewives and at the last minute Lawrence Zelaznik who was in charge of Bravo at the time decided to call it real housewives of Orange County so that they could franchise it and it was a movie Andy was actually against because he thought the title was too clunky but obviously it growing to other cities is part of the reason why the show has been so successful yeah you write in the book that one of the keys to Bravo's success as a network with all of their reality shows is something called the Bravo Wink and the Bravo Sheen. Yes. Can you explain about yes. the Wink and the Sheen? The Bravo Wink, as you see a lot, my favorite example is when they show a housewife saying something and then they'll cut to a flashback of her doing the exact opposite of what she's saying. Or um, there was something that's, I watched the season premiere of Real Houses of Potomac, which is on on Sunday, and they're showing a woman talk about how the difference in age between her and her husband and the math doesn't work up and the editor, editors like put the numbers kind of on the screen and show how her math you know, it doesn't really work. And so it's saying to the audience, like, we know this is ridiculous. We 
are we're taking this seriously but not too seriously like we're in on the joke with you and i think that that's really part of the success of the housewives is that we're not watching them entirely to be like oh i want to be like this and i'm taking this so seriously we know that it's funny we know that it's performative we know that it's kind of crazy and the bravo sheen is just making everything look as good and expensive as they possibly can and i think that's really true you can tell a bravo show from a mile away because everything just looks really good and in fact the editors, producers, crew that work on Bravo shows, when other networks are making reality shows, they'll say they want people with Bravo experience because they want their shows to look like Bravo shows. You describe the production as being incredibly grueling, that people yeah. have to leave their homes, leave their families for, you know, up to six months at a time and work these ridiculously long hours and get uh, tremendous negative feedback from the powers that be and have to re redo everything that they've done. Yeah. And I think it's harder for the people on the ground. And what's also kind of crazy is every almost everybody who works on the show from the housewives themselves, the editors, camera operators, producers, they're all freelancers. So they have no job stability. And when they're filming the show, most of the crews are in either New York or LA. And so they have to go and live in Dallas or live in Potomac or live in Atlanta. And so, you know, that's time away from your family, time away from your life. I, with the post-production, almost all of it is in LA, but they're still freelancers, but they're the ones who are dealing with the network notes. And apparently Bravo is known for not only a ton of notes, but also the tone of their notes being really kind of not nice. And, and I remembered one person who worked on a very famous episode of The Real Housewives that everybody knows and everybody loves, remembers that one of the notes he got back from the network was, did a monkey edit this? You know, and so it, it's not just like, oh, we don't like that. It's kind of being cruel to them. And, and you know, I, I personally don't think that's the nicest way to work, but they do deliver a great product. So the results are there on, on the screen. By the way, I know you cannot confirm or deny, but my guess when, when I was reading about that classic episode is that it's Scary Island from Real Housewives of New York. It is not Scary Island. Oh, I'm it wrong? Is a, I will say it, it's, a, it's a Real Housewives of Atlanta episode. Oh, I don't watch that one. You have to you have to watch all of the franchises, right? <laughs> you watch every episode of every franchise. I choose to watch most of them. Um, I would have given up on Orange County if I wasn't getting paid to write recaps of it. I've gone in and out of New Jersey. I haven't really watched Dallas since the first season, but I like kind of dip in and out, so I know the players and I can talk about it with people. But most of them I just enjoy watching. I recap uh, New York, New Jersey, Orange County, and Beverly Hills. So those I watch for work. But Atlanta, Potomac, I watch just for fun. Um, and it is nice to watch those just for fun. I can enjoy them like a fan uh, rather than getting too deep into it. The only ones I have watched consistently, and I haven't watched every season of, of all of them, but um, are New York and Beverly Hills. I feel like those are the most interesting. New Jersey, I was into for a minute, and then I just kind of, I don't know. New Jersey feels a little ridiculous and over the top to me. And, and one of the things I was surprised to read about in your book is that there are different production companies that work on different franchises. They're not all the same company. No, and I think it's, it is a, you know... Bravo deserves the credit for making them all look similar, though they are a little bit different in terms of like the music cues or how they do things. But yeah, um, and a couple of some of the production companies make a couple of them like uh, Evolution makes Real Housewives of Orange County and Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Truly Original makes Real Housewives of Atlanta and Real Housewives of Potomac. But all the other ones are independent production companies. But a lot of the people that worked on those have worked on other shows. Like the company that made Real Housewives of Miami is called Purveyors of Pop. And that was a company started by two gentlemen who worked on Real Housewives of Atlanta, I believe, as executive producers and then went on to start their own production company. Uh, in looking at these <clears throat> women who do this show, a lot of them sign up to do the show knowing that either they or their husbands have like major skeletons in their closets, which ultimately get revealed. I'm, I'm, <laughs> yes. I'm thinking specifically of Erica Jane right now, who, who really could go to prison. Um, and Teresa and Joe Judice. Who or did Jen go Shaw to, who did from go Real Housewives of... Of Salt City, right. Why, why would anyone yeah. 
Why yeah. would anyone – I mean, I, I guess it's like asking why would Donald Trump run for president. Why would you sign up for that scrutiny knowing that you're going to get exposed and, and lose everything? I wish I knew the answer to that. And, you know, I, I talked to some uh, people that work at the production company and in casting, and they tell the women, if you have skeletons in your closet, if you have anything you're trying to hide, if there are any problems in your relationship, it's all going to come out on the show. So they're warned about it before they even do it. But I think that in the case of Jen Shaw, maybe she thought she was getting, she got away with it for so long, she didn't think she'd get caught. I mean, maybe the same with Joe Giudice. It's kind of like hubris. I think with Tom Girardi, maybe the same thing, or he thought, well, it's just Erica that's going to be on the show, so they're not going to focus on me. So, you know, maybe I won't be that involved. But yeah, and, and I just think of even Kristen Takeman, who was on a couple seasons of Real Housewives of New York, she was on two seasons of the show, and then right after her second season she either got fired or left and right after that her husband was exposed in that ashley madison leak oh, right. do you remember that where scandal. it was like people who were on that website for looking for affairs mm -hmm. and so she's not even on the show anymore and still the press is going through her dirty laundry and publicizing this about her relationship right so that's the thing i mean once you're and in I think you're that, in for life whether you continue yeah. or not i mean if there's gossip about kelly ben simone it, page six is going to cover it, even though she hasn't been on the show in, what, 10 years? Absolutely. And I always joke that it's kind of like porn. Like you do it once and that's yes. what everyone's going to know about you, <laughs> you know, and, and it's the same way with being a housewife. Andy Cohen says it's like the mob, like once you're in, you're in yeah. and you're in for life. And you know that, yeah, that's really true. And you know, that's what a lot of people are looking for going on the show. They're looking for that fame. They're looking for that attention. They're looking for validation. They're looking for a platform. They're looking to make money off of it. And you know, that's what they get. And I think a lot of times it's a, really a raw deal because you know, the, the Bethany Frankel is the exception of it where she's making a million dollars off her liquor brand yeah. or a hundred million dollars off her liquor brand. Most people aren't cashing in like that. And, you know, Bravo and the production companies that make these shows are getting all the upside and the women are exposing themselves to ridicule and scrutiny and in some cases are only getting their paycheck. I think that the part of the pleasure, certainly for me, of watching these shows, if you do watch them, is seeing watching them crash and burn, like knowing that they are living this phony, pretentious, <laughs> yeah. over-the-top, extravagant lifestyle, and then watching them just lose it all because because of their hubris, because of their stupidity, because of their greed. There is, and that is, as you point out, is why people always loved watching soap operas. We love to see rich, yeah. glamorous people suffer <laughs> because it makes us feel better about our shitty lives. I think that's true, but I also think that, you know, they did some studies about why people are into reality television, and they found that, you know, a lot of people do have empathy for these characters, and I think with people, especially people who've been on the show since the beginning, like Luann or uh, De La Seps or Ramona Singer on Real Housewives of New York, like, we've followed these women for so long, we've watched Teresa Giudice's kids grow up, and so while we are like, oh my God, isn't it amazing that Luann's going to jail? I think there's also something inside of us being like, oh my God, I hope she's all right. You know, like you want Luann to come through the other side them. just because we have so much invested in her. Yeah. yeah. And so I think you get kind of both ends of it, which makes it even more powerful. And, you know, and people are like, oh, why are you so into the show? And I think it's things like that where you're invested in it emotionally on so many different levels. It's really a psychologically complex thing as opposed to really liking a scripted show where it's, you know, you're just a fan of this thing that somebody else made up. Absolutely. Well, Brian, in the time remaining, it is time to play everyone's favorite at-home quiz show, Ask Me No Questions. Ask Me No Questions. Ask Me No Questions. Yeah. This is a very Andy Cohen thing, by the way, <laughs> so you'll enjoy it. Okay. Uh, who's the most horrifying Real Housewife of all time? Oh, I would say Aviva Drescher from Real Houses of New York. Aviva Drescher. I didn't watch her season. What was bad about her? She was just really craven. She and she like threw her leg to kind of get attention. She was really mean to the women, really calculating. Oh, she had a and also leg. there's a story in the book about how she was trying to get um 
things for free from people. And she was just kind of an awful person and not a great housewife. She threw her leg. Yeah, she got into an argument and threw her prosthetic leg. I thought leg. I was like a saint. Like she did, she <laughs> threw her leg. <laughs> no, she literally threw it. I did read that in your book, Brian. I need to no, go. she threw her prosthetic leg. Yeah. Uh, Brian, if yeah. you could have dinner with any um, of the housewives. So she would, uh, she would be my pick for the most awful. If you could have dinner with any of the housewives, whom would you choose? Um, Oh, that's a very good question. Know who I would choose, and it's a surprising choice, is Alex McCord, who was on the early seasons of Real Housewives yeah, of New York. Yeah, why? Um, just because – so Alex uh, was really into Real Housewives of New York and um, let, was fired from the show and was really kind of bitter about it. And then just – was trying to get back on TV and was on like celebrity boot camp and shit like that, but then decided to give it all up. Her and her husband moved back to his native Australia. She became a psychologist. And I think she's really on the other of fame now. And I want to talk to her about that journey. Like, that's what I'm really interested in is like how the show changed her and then how she got her life back. How she threw her I leg. just wonder if they're living in a finished home because God knows that <laughs> Brooklyn apartment needed a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, no, they are living in a they're living in some like tiny town that her husband Simon is from in Los Angeles or in uh, Australia. Fascinating because they were both such attention whores. Um <laughs> okay, which housewife's husband yes. would you most like to bang? Oh my god, there are so many choices, but mm. the hottest uh, the one I would most like to bang is Juan Dixon, who is Robin Dixon's fiance on Real Housewives of Potomac. Don't watch the show, don't know But him. I mean there's a there's a long list of housewives husbands that I would bang. Know who's crazy hot is Mario Singer, Ramona's ex. Oh my god, he's a sexy like, man. But my uh, top choice would be Mauricio because not only do I find him physically sexy, I think he's got the best personality. I would actually like to marry Mauricio. Yes, Mauricio also, and he's rich and he's fun and he smokes a lot of pot, and so I'm like in oh, for all of that. Exactly. Like, yeah, he's I, the I could husband. be down with that. I throw my legs. There's some also really. <laughs> There's some really hot Real Housewives of New Jersey too. Like Evan Goldschneider is like six foot five and a hot hairy daddy. Oof. Yeah, Joe Gorgon yeah. could get it too. Um, okay, can money? Oh, Joe Gorgon could a hundred percent get it. Can money buy you class? Money cannot buy you class. That is what Luann taught us. Are you normally early? Would you like me to sing it? Uh, please. <laughs> money can't buy you class. You actually have but a better Adam, voice. Are you tardy for the party? That was my next question. Are you normally you, early on time or tardy for the party? I am a very prompt person. And actually, I have stopped hanging out with people who are chronically late because I can't tolerate it. I agree. Nice. Um, will Bethany Frankel ever find happiness in love? No. I agree. She's just too, she's too toxic, right? <laughs> Yeah, and I, I think she has too much shit to work through. And I think she's been too burned by her her relationships that I don't think she's ever going to get there. Here's my theory of Bethany and why she's so fascinating. She is so correct in her observations about other people. She has everyone spot on, and yet she has absolutely zero self-awareness. <laughs> that is 100% correct. It's a tra yes. it's like a tragic flaw. It's like she sees everything exactly as it is except herself. Um, who is your favorite new housewife? And I'm defining new as someone who's only been on the show since 2019 or later. Oh, that's a very good question. Um, I'm a very big fan of Crystal Kung Minkoff, who's the new yes. housewife on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a big Leah McSweeney fan, mm -hmm. uh, even though she's having a case of what I like to call the terrible twos, yes. where she comes back on her second season and is kind of annoying. Um, yeah, I think those would have to be my top. I'm also a big fan of Kathy Hilton, who is not a, an official housewife. Love she's her. a friend of. She's but, the best. Um, Brian, she's also what, what really would, good. What yeah. would be your tagline? Oh, this is my tagline. Uh, it is, I have everything except morals. Ah, perfect. <laughs> Brian Moylan, you are a delight. Thank the you. book is called The Housewives, The Real Story Behind the Real Housewives. It's available wherever books or Kindles are sold. How can people follow you online? 
You can find me on all social media platforms at Brian J. Moylan. And my grinder headline is Mustache Rides. Yeah. So just search for Mustache Rides. Thank you so much. Congrats on the book. We hope to have you back again. Thank you so much. Bye. It's my pleasure. Take care. Bye. Joanne and JB, please plug yourselves. Joanne. Uh, you can find me on social media at Joanne Filan at J O A N N E F I L A N. I'm just a legs throw away. <laughs> you can find me only on Instagram at Stocking Anarchy 12. Thank you so much. Thank you both so much, Joanne. I love you. Thank Thanks you. for doing the show. Tune so in next wonderful. week to hear a brand new ass with comedian Veronica Mosey as our guest. Ooh. Subscribe to this podcast at dnrstudios.com. Don't forget to order your ass merch at adamsank.com. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at adamsank and on TikTok at adamsankofficial. Email me at adamsank.com. Have a great week, bitches. Whee! Bye. Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at ritual.com podcast.